Maybe just one or two to make sure that everyone's on the line will start. You're listening to Spotify Earnings Call Replays. Thank you and welcome to Spotify's third quarter 2021 earnings conference call. Joining us today will be Daniel Eck, our CEO, and Paul Vogel, our CFO. We'll start with opening comments from Daniel and afterwards, Daniel and Paul will be happy to answer your questions. Questions can be submitted by going to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com, and using the code hashtag SpotifyEarningsQ321. Analysts can ask questions directly into Slido and all participants can then vote on the questions they find the most relevant. We ask that you try to limit yourself to one to two questions, and to the extent you have follow-ups, we'll be happy to address them, time permitting. If for some reason you don't have access to Slido, you can email investor relations at ir at spotify.com, and we'll add in your question. Before we begin, let me quickly cover the safe harbor. During this call, we'll be making certain forward-looking statements, including projections or estimates about the future performance of the company. These statements are based on current expectations and assumptions that are subject to risks and uncertainties. Actual results could materially differ because of factors discussed on today's call, in our letter to shareholders, and in filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission. During this call, we'll also refer to certain non-IFRS financial measures. Reconciliations between our IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures can be found in our letter to shareholders, in the financial section of our investor relations website, and also furnished today on Form 6K. And with that, I'll turn it over to Daniel. All right. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. And I'll start by sharing what I hope you all saw in our shareholder letter. The business is doing really well, and I'm pleased that we continue to deliver across the areas that are fundamental to our growth and long-term strategy. We had a very strong quarter. I'll quickly speak speak to MEU before taking uh, t- talking about a few longer-term trends that I'm really excited about. Importantly, as I indicated last quarter, we had started to see MAU strengthening in the last half of Q2, and I'm really pleased that this trend continued throughout Q3. I believe the shoppiness in the first half of the year was primarily due to COVID and is now largely behind us. All signs show that we're back to consistently delivering against our forecast, but we've also learned from the last two quarters and are responding faster to changes, most notably in key markets like India, where we're now seeing a nice recovery. That's all to say that as we head into what's historically our biggest quarter of the year, we're all hands on deck to make sure the positive trend continues. And I feel really good about where we stand across all of the other aspects of the business overall. And as you can see this quarter, our ads revenue continues to surpass even our own optimistic expectations. This, I think, clearly proves the potential for ads to be the second big revenue driver for the future of our business. Not only did we have our biggest quarter ever for ads in Q3, but 2021 will mark the first time we will surpass 1 billion euro in ad revenue. While this is a significant milestone, this business is accelerating with much more room to run. Excitement from advertisers for uh, for the podcast industry has increased substantially over the last year, and we're ahead of our plans for podcast monetization. Audio ads on the internet are now becoming a bigger part of advertisers' media mix overall. And to take advantage of this growing demand, 
We recently unveiled Spotify Audience Network enhancements for advertisers and added anchor creators to the mix. And this gives advertisers more opportunities to connect with listeners and enable podcast creators to earn from their work in new ways. This latest announcement is only one example of our focus on increasing the velocity across the business. In this case, unlocking more inventory as advertisers and creators alike are realizing the value of podcast ads. Looking long term on our product and our platform, which is where I tend to focus, my confidence is in the opportunity still out there is unwavering. This is especially true when I think about how well we are positioned despite still being very much in the early days of this audio journey. A good reminder, Linear Radio still has a 46% share of audio listening in the US alone, this despite consumption shifting steadily away from it. And this year, more than 60% of all audio ad spending will go to traditional radio. I think this clearly shows that we have plenty of room to grow both in listening time and in our effective monetization. And the US is one of the most advanced markets, so internationally, there's even more growth ahead of us. And with that context in mind, I want to highlight a few areas of our platform strategy. And as a reminder, any improvements on our platform will ultimately help increase listeners, listening hours, and subsequently our effective monetization. So let's look at podcasting. We started our journey three years ago in podcasting with a catalog of about 185,000 podcasts. And we were really nowhere compared to the largest players in the industry. Today, we have 3.2 million podcasts on the platform, a growth rate of over 1500%. But despite the fact that we're still a relatively new entrant, Previous data indicated we have become the top platform for podcast consumption in 60 plus countries. And now, according to Edison Research and our own internal sources, we recently became the number one podcast platform US listeners use the most. Given the US represents the largest podcast market globally, I think this is quite significant. I am confident to say that we're a leader not only in podcasting, but in the burgeoning audio space on the internet. So why did we succeed this fast? Well, obviously, our content investments have helped a great deal. But it's also another proof point of the impact our platform improvements and product innovations are having on our business overall. And the velocity of shipping matters. From the recent launch of interactivity enhancements like polls and Q&A, to the release of enhanced listening features and new original programming around the world, we fought hard to gain new listeners. And our success is not attributable to just one thing, but literally hundreds, if not thousands of improvements that we're working on in parallel for the benefit of creators, users, and advertisers alike. And because it's a trend that is progressing so significantly, you should expect us to continue to invest to keep up with the demand. So why does this velocity matter to so much for Spotify? Well, I believe that we will ultimately determine that will determine our long-term success. If you're slow, you better be right most of the time. But if you're fast, you can test and iterate more, which creates a culture of innovation. And at Spotify, we want to constantly iterate and improve. And there's no question that we will always have competitors. And some of them will be good, 
but I believe we will be better because we're focused on our stakeholders, the creators and consumers, and we prioritize speed and we adapt quickly. So by constantly improving our user experience, users will not only come to Spotify, but we will retain them. And if we retain our users, we'll bring more creators to the platform to share their content. Better content means more advertisers. And all of these things coupled together, users, creators, and advertisers unlock the power of our flywheel. And with that, I'll turn it back to Brian. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you've got any questions, please go to slido.com, hashtag Spotify earnings Q321. Once your question is entered, you can edit or withdraw your question by selecting the option in the bottom right. We're gonna be reading the questions in the order they appear in the queue with respect to how people vote up their preference for questions. And our first question today is going to come from Rich Greenfield on advertising. Advertising revenues as a percentage of total revenues hit 13% for the second time ever. Given ad revenues are growing multiples of subscription revenues, what do you think the mix of your revenues will be in five years? And how should we think about that mix shift impacting margins? Well, um, maybe I'll talk about the size of this and Paul can kind of chime in on the impact on margins. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about uh, ads. Um, I, I think we have had a tremendous quarter with 75% growth year over year, but this is just the beginning as I stated in my opening remarks. Uh, long term, I believe at the very least this should be 20% of our revenues, um, but it might possibly be a lot more than that, 30, 40% even um, over the next five to 10 years. So we're very excited about this being the second big revenue driver for Spotify and are obviously investing behind that, both in product and platform improvements, but also as you may have read uh, in hiring staff across the world that helps service these advertisers. Yeah, and then from uh, advertising in general, as, as Daniel said, it was up 75% uh, in the quarter. We saw really nice, healthy gains on the music side. It was up significantly on the advertising side. And then podcast advertising growth was in the triple digits. So um, we're seeing it across the board. What's really interesting is that the... Um, the increased inventory is bringing increased demand. The demand is really high uh, across all of our products. Uh, podcasting is helping significantly on that. And then from a margin standpoint, um, you know, obviously the, the podcasting margin is helpful uh, over time. We think having a, a fixed cost nature of the podcasting business and being able to grow that advertising um, will help margins. But additionally, just bringing more advertising into the platform, we're seeing uh, the free music margins move up as well. Uh, as you guys are well, our free music margins are below our premium music margins. So so to the extent that we can drive incremental advertising across not just podcasting, but music in general, that will help margins as well. So, um, you know, margins were healthy, up almost a thousand basis points year on year uh, on the ad side and, and overall uh, gross margin in the quarter was was at the high end of our range um, uh, and, and really significant. All right. Our next question is going to come from Matt Thornton uh, on Marketplace. Can you update us on how the two-sided marketplace is performing versus planned in 2021? And secondly, given Spotify's reach, engagement, and contextual awareness, do you think Spotify has an important part to play as a marketplace for live to drive better awareness, conversion, and consumption in that part of the ecosystem? 
Yeah, um, overall, very excited about the progress uh, with Marketplace. Um, we continue to see very strong engagement with um, artists, teams, and labels across the board. I think a huge testament to that is just how performant um, these formats have been during this testing period. Uh, many artists are seeing uplifts of 50 or even 100% on their campaigns. That is obviously driving even more demand uh, from teams and more teams who want to try this. This product so i think the best way i would characterize it is much of last year was really around finding product market fit i think we have proven that product market fit now and are scaling this nicely um, across the board uh, and iterating the product um, for all, all the demand and feedback we're getting from across the creative community. And then as you think more broadly on uh, marketplace overall, I think you're totally right to point out that there's a lot more we can do to service our creators and musicians on the platform. And live is obviously one of those um, opportunities that we think a lot about. We did experiment quite a bit with virtual sort of live shows during the pandemic. We saw really nice uh, results from that. Um, I do think long term, we can be a very important part of that ecosystem too, in enabling uh, more fans to discover more live shows and um, allow artists, of course, to interact with them in that way too. So that's something that uh, the team's working on and we're thinking about what the right experience is. So that's definitely a future upside for us. And then just from a financial perspective, uh, Marketplace has been a contributor. Um, it was a nice contributor uh, last year, and it's grown probably better than we thought in 2021 as well. So uh, it has been a contributor to gross margin improvement, uh, and we've been really pleased with, with how it's grown uh, over the last couple of years. Okay, next question from Mike Morris uh, on advertising. So other advertising platforms have cited Apple's iOS privacy measures and supply chain disruptions as negatively impacting 4Q growth prospects. How do Apple's changes impact your advertising offering, if at all? And are you anticipating macroeconomic headwinds to slow your rate of growth in the fourth quarter? Um, yeah, so um, for us, uh, it didn't really have much of an impact. Um, we did... Um, uh, like a lot of people, we're very aware of it. You know, we have a very big brand business, which wasn't significantly impacted at all. And the fact that we are um, have a ton of first party data with uh, all of our users being logged into the service uh, really helped us grow. So we didn't really see much of an impact at all. Um, we don't see um, much going forward, although we'll continue to monitor it. Um, and Q4 for us, the, the biggest impact uh, on Q4 will just be continued uh, growth in podcasts and, and in inventory. Uh, we know the demand is there. We know the advertisers are there. So for us, it's just continuing to expand the inventory uh, available for advertisers. Okay, next question from Mario Liu on uh, podcast creator tools. So uh, we understand the plan is to give 100% of paid podcast subscription revenue back to creators through 2022, and that podcast share of overall consumption hours reached an all-time high in the third quarter. That being said, how should we frame the revenue and margin upside from this starting in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so uh, I, I think the best way to think about this is probably to think about the engagement of content as being the base layer of Spotify. Um, and that today is monetized primarily through uh, subscription income and now to a larger extent advertising too. 
But the way we envision this platform going forward is that you should think about all of these additional modalities across uh, spot, the Spotify portfolio. Of course, paid podcast being one of those that allows creators to segment either their, their entire population of users into a paid podcast or even a, a subset of their super fans for various products and upsell them. All of these products long-term will be accretive to the Spotify business. And I think of them more as a, a platform business model where these are higher margin businesses on top of this base le level um, uh, sort of uh, content service um, that we have. Um, so we're very excited about that. And especially in the context, when you think about all the engagement that's going on, that's a lot of opportunities to upsell people to other propositions, which will be higher margin opportunities for Spotify. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much more to add on, on to that other than Daniel, what Daniel said. Um, again, we have, we've given out sort of long-term targets. We haven't given out anything specifically on 2023, but we do expect that um, these types of products over time will be additive to the overall business. Okay, another question from Rich Greenfield, uh, this time on product testing. You've been testing a lower cost subscription plan uh, that's ad supported. Does this signal recognition that either uh, one, the price point needs to come down to drive the next 200 million premium subscribers. Two, the ad-supported opportunity is too compelling to focus on uh, ad-free usage. Or three, a combination of both. So maybe just as a general comment, we pretty much test all variants of all products that you can imagine. And uh, this is very much a test uh, that we are running in some markets uh, to learn more. But I, I think the higher order importance of Spotify is always to increase growth. So to the extent that that could increase growth, we will look at it for that reasons too. Um, and then the second order that we would evaluate any successful test for would be if this is obviously obviously a creative to the business uh, or not. But the primary um, focus for the business is still very much on growth growth. So I think the, the safe way to characterize if we would roll something like this out is we would certainly do it uh, to drive growth first and foremost. And uh, secondly, uh, look at this sort of accretiveness on the business level. All right, next question comes from uh, Matt Thornton on the Spotify audience network. So can you talk about, one, what creator and advertiser feedback has been so far? Two, what inning or part of the football match are we in in terms of being fully or widely launched or available with Spotify audience network? And three, what the next milestones are? Yeah, I can take that one. Um, so the feedback has been really, really strong. We're super encouraged. Um, if you look at Megaphone in particular and, and the Spotify Audience Network, we've got 50% more podcasts in the ecosystem than we did um, uh, when we um, since the acquisition of Megaphone. One in five advertisers are now using um, uh, the product as well. Um, so we're super excited about it. The feedback has been really great. Uh, we've seen a number of partners who have... Um, 
have seen performance go really well and have given us incremental inventory throughout the quarter because the performance that we're giving them is higher than they could see other places and in some cases higher than they're getting in their own direct sales force. Um, so we feel really good about it. It obviously led to um, a, a big portion of the growth, as I think I mentioned earlier. Um, podcast advertising in general was up triple digits year on year. So we've seen that growth um, really uh, become really strong. And in terms of what inning, it's hard to know. I would say we're in the very, very early days. Um, as Daniel mentioned, mentioned, we think advertising will be north of 20% of our business, if not significantly more in the long term. Um, and so that would imply we think we have a long way to go on the growth of the advertising business overall. My only addition, Matt, is I appreciate that you made it uh, a football reference too. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. With that, we'll go to the next question from Maria Rips. Uh, question about CarThing. Are you able to share any updates on how the launch of CarThing has performed so far? And then more broadly, how strategically important is this functionality to driving engagement, especially now that consumers have been spending more time in their cars again? Yeah, um, so overall, I would characterize this as being early days uh, with car thing, um, but maybe sharing a little bit more context on our thinking. Uh, obviously, there are three big modalities that's driving audio consumption. On the go with mobile devices in people's homes uh, through mostly connected speakers and TV screens, and then in the car and especially here in the us uh, the car is obviously a massive thing and so car thing is our effort in trying to see how the next generation of car entertainment systems could look like and was very much launched as a test to see if we can increase the engagement that consumers are having um, in the car instead of these um, sort of um, mobile phones connected through bluetooth speakers and and honestly quite dangerous from a driving experience um, and and so far the the response that we're seeing among, uh, among consumers is very, very encouraging. We're seeing uh, super high engagement in the product. Uh, we've seen more than 2 million people sign up for uh, getting a car thing. The number one constraint for us at this particular moment, uh, which should not surprise those of you that are following consumer electronics, is the ship shortages uh, that are that we just can't make enough of them uh, to get them out there in, in consumers. Long term, I think the big question here is obviously in this test, we've been focusing primarily on just increasing engagement. Um, and now uh, we've just rolled out this ability for consumers to also buy the product. Um, and uh, very, very early days overall. I think the best way to look at this is we're still device agnostic and we want to be on all device, but this is another great opportunity for consumers that care about having a great music entertainment system to get one through Spotify. Okay, next question from Doug Emmeth uh, on MAU. Uh, with third quarter MAU growth up double digits year on year in all geographies or all regions, have you recovered all of the second quarter MAU shortfall? And then secondarily, have advertising campaigns resumed across all geographies or are you still experiencing MAU weakness in certain countries? Yeah, I think we feel um, really good about the MAU growth. We're back on a growth trajectory line and back on the curve where we would expect to be. So I think that's really encouraging for us. And I think as Daniel had mentioned on um, the last quarter, we saw strength in the back half of 2Q. Um, we're very pleased that we came in um, at the higher end of expectations in Q3. So we feel like we're back on uh, back on track uh, for MAU. 
Um, and if you look at our guidance for um, for Q4, um, our expectation is to top 400 million users by the end of the year, which would be a pretty significant uh, milestone for us. Um, in terms of the campaigns, yes, we did uh, turn some of them back on. So as a reminder, in Q2 um, and a lot around COVID and, and, and what was going on globally, we, we pulled back on some of our marketing, particularly in markets like India. Uh, we did turn that back on and we did see um, significant growth return in India. Um, we also hadn't um, spent a ton in some of our newer markets. And so we turned some of that on as well and that performed really well. Um, so in general, the, uh, we feel like we're back on track um, and um, yeah, the, the marketing plans uh, did perform well in Q3. Okay, we've got a question now from uh, Bacha Levy, and it's on churn. Can you provide color on churn trends in the markets that saw a price increase recently? Um, yeah, we were, we've were. we been really pleased with the markets where we've seen price increases, both from a gross intake perspective and a churn, and a churn perspective. So um, everything's pretty much been in line with our expectations, if not slightly better. All right, another one from Maria Rips, uh, this time on uh, Shopify. Can you talk about how additive uh, this new uh, partnership could be to the artists on the platform, both from an engagement and revenue standpoint? And also, can you comment on your plans for a broader launch with Shopify? Yeah, uh, so Toby and I uh, joke uh, about the confusion of the names, by the way. <laughs> so that was fun to see among consumers. Uh, there was literally uh, people on the Spotify platform that thought we had launched a shopping network. Uh, so that was fun. Um, yeah, I mean, o overall, uh, as I've said a few times now, but I'll, I'll try to repeat it. Our goal is very simple. We want to allow creators to uh, have more ways for them to express themselves, more ways for them to interact with their audience, moving them from casual fans all the way up to super fans, and then more ways for them to monetize those relationships. So as, as part of that goes, uh, the partnership with Spotify, Shopify is very uh, interesting from the sense that it allows uh, creators to uh, have more ways to monetize those relationships, especially with the fans that they have uh, used and leveraging Spotify uh, on the platform. This is early days, so it's hard to say what the impact will be on the business. But at the very least, uh, I do know that there's been a lot of creator excitement uh, around this, and we're seeing more and more artists uh, onboard their merchandise and, and the, their shops uh, by the day uh, on our platform. So excited uh, about the early progress. And long-term, this will be a, just a bigger part overall of that interaction between fans and creators. Okay, we've got a question now from uh, Deepak on our subscription business. Your premium subscriber growth has decelerated to the mid-teens range uh, this year as NetAds moderated. Can you talk about where you see opportunities to reaccelerate subscriber growth in 22? Yeah, I think if you look at our subscriber growth in general, I think we feel really um, good and healthy. Um, we had exceptional growth last year at over about 30 million net subscribers, and um, we'll do a little bit less than that this year. But if you look at the the kind of the average growth in subscribers over the last three years, we've averaged between 25 and 30 million net, around 27 million, and we feel pretty good about that and sort of where the, the trend line has been uh, for subscribers. And for us, there's always... Um, 
you know, puts and takes. I think we still believe there is growth in our developed markets in North America, in Europe, uh, and we see lots of growth, you know, still ahead of us in LATAM and the rest of the world. Some of those markets take some time to come online. Um, we often have to drive the free MAU side first before the subscriber side comes. Um, but I think we feel, again, like we're pretty much uh, kind of on track and on trend with where we'd expect to be heading out of uh, 21. Yeah, my, my only addition is, uh, so when you look at it, uh, many of the newer markets are obviously in some of the emerging markets. And uh, in, in many of the Western worlds, we are accustomed to credit cards and other things. So a huge part of the opportunity set goes into innovation around uh, models. So as an example, in Southeast Asia, we've been playing around with daily plans and weekly plans uh, to great success. Uh, I think we're still early on though. Uh, it'll take us uh, a good um, amount of uh, more quarters before we are at the maturity we are in most of the Western world. But this is something that we're paying attention to as the subscriber base over the next coming years will will be um, coming from many of these markets to you have India, Indonesia, um, you know, um, many of the other Asian markets as well, where I think a lot of that innovation will play a very meaningful role in driving more subscribers to it. So think about it like it took us a few years to learn how to do subscription well in the Western markets. We're now in the similar phase where we're learning um, to do that in um, sort of Southeast Asia and the Asian markets um, um, as well. And I think this is very similar just to kind of set expectations to how some of these other platforms platforms have fared too. I think most of us has been very strong in the sort of developed markets, North America, Europe, um, in Spotify, that's clearly the case. I think some of the other co content uh, players are seeing the same thing too. Um, we're all now trying to figure out how to learn how to do these in, in Southeast Asia. And we will crack the code. I'm 100% I'm sure of it. I just can't tell you exactly when, but lots of good experimentation is going on. All right, we've got a follow-up from Deepak on um, our advertising gross margins. Um, could you provide some additional color on the underlying um, core music margin in the ads business? And what can you tell us about uh, the impact of podcast costs uh, dragging that margin down? Um, yeah, so I, 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 I'm not going to break out the margins by product, but I will say... Um, you know, gross margins uh, were up year on year on the ad side. What we've seen is, is advertising has grown. We have some margins, um, particularly on the ad side, that where we've historically had low margins get helped by the increased advertising uh, on a royalty uh, basis. So that's been helpful. Um, podcasts in general um, are still a drag on overall gross margins, um, although the drag was less than we forecast given the strength in podcast advertising in general. And then when you look at revenue, if you look at revenue per listening hour, it is growing pretty significantly on the platform and cost per listening hour is not. And so we're start, we're seeing that uh, trajectory really play out, which over time will help flip those gross margins on the podcasting side to be positive and you know, our expectation is meaningly positive over time. Okay, another question from Mario Liu, and it's on the Spotify audience network. How big of a driver will adding podcasts from anchor creators be in the coming weeks? And what penetration rate do you expect to achieve to be uh, in, in the Spotify audience network over time? Um, 
Yeah, I don't know what the penetration over time will be. I would say um, adding it into Anchor Podcasters is um, a big opportunity for us to add incremental inventory uh, into uh, into the ecosystem, which we think will be very bullish because, we, as I've said a couple of times, we know the demand is there. So for us, it's really about adding incremental supply into it. Um, we're also launching um, new markets. I believe it's four new markets um, that will have access to this as well. So the combination of um, both the Anchor Podcasters, but also the new market growth uh, should be pretty significant for us. So again, we've been um, optimistic with how it's gone. We talked about how strong advertising was in the quarter and adding both the anchor podcasters as well as the new markets into the uh, environment should be um, pretty supportive of further growth. Okay, we've got a question now from Stephen Cahill on um, operating expenses. Um, uh, R&D and, and uh, sales and marketing and G&A um, you know, came in uh, as a lower percentage of revenue this quarter. Um, given the investments you're making in advertising, user interface, et cetera, is this a trend we should extrapolate? And how do acquisitions like Megaphone hit the P&L versus organic investments? Um, yeah, so I would say on the operating expense side, we did benefit from uh, social charges um, being uh, the reduction of the, uh, the reversal of the accrual, which we've, we've talked about helped us. Um, so our OPEX was up around, I think, 17% X the social charge adjustment, adjustment versus about 12% on a reported basis. So that does distort the numbers a little bit. I think if you take a step back and you think about the growth in the OPEX line items, I think you can assume that R&D as a percentage of revenue will continue to be um, at these levels, if not potentially increase slightly over time as we continue to invest uh, in the business. Um, and I think you'll see the, the, some, uh, the leverage on the GNA and then more sort of variances on the sales and marketing side, um, depending on what's going on and, and where we are in different life cycles of, of innovation and product launch and those types of things. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. My only um, addition to that would be to say, I think we're seeing tremendous leverage uh, specifically in R&D and the product improvements that I spoke about in my opening comments. Um, and I, I think the uh, testament uh, in podcasting from three years ago, kind of from nowhere to being the leader, just shows how when we're committed to building something out, how well we can do in a reasonable time frame. So I think you should expect that when we do see uh, great uh, R&D opportunities, we will invest behind those. Um, and ad sales now being one of those things, clearly we're expanding our ad sales force with the success that we've had in advertising too. So. <clears throat> I hope um, investors and analysts alike, uh, you know, see that uh, the investments we're doing make a lot of sense for the business, and that should give you confidence that we'll keep on investing and keep yielding great results in the coming years. Okay, the next question is going to come from Justin Patterson uh, on the creator opportunity. Uh, Daniel, you've brought many more creators onto the platform over the past year. What do you see as the key lever? or levers uh, towards bringing the next wave of creators on board. And for markets like the US and Latin America, how has having o &E podcasts affected smaller creators joining Spotify? Yeah, so um, I alluded to some of these comments um, earlier too, but I think the, the primary thing for us is we need to lower the barriers for uh, creators to express themselves and interact with their audiences on the platform. Um, so 
uh, right now, it is still that you, the publishing from, um, for instance, Anchor onto the uh, platform does take some time. You're not getting sort of immediate feedback back from your audience on, on the Spotify platform. There are many, many ways that we can just remove a lot of friction and increase um, the ability for creators to express themselves and interact with that audience. That is what will bring the next generation of creators onto this platform and they'll start experimenting to a great degree degree um, um just evidence of that data point would be um the video uh, podcasting efforts we just did the other uh day massive massive um you know interest from creators in doing that and already you should be starting to see lots more videos uh, onto the spotify platform as creators are experimenting with those things so new formats uh reducing friction in those formats and allowing creators and consumers to interact on the platform are are the sort of key drivers and then as it relates to o and e uh, I think it's it's the the best example I have is that it's really providing a nice halo across the board. Uh, all creators see these big creators having success on the Spotify platform, and that obviously drives a good amount of them wanting to be like them and wanting to see if they can also make it. Uh, so I think it's a nice thing that you're seeing these big um, podcasters having great success on the platform because that drives more people to want to be successful on the platform too. And then just to follow up, I think, you know, we, we often get lots of questions on the podcasting side of the monetization side and, and the revenue side, but, you know, Anchor, um, which was an acquisition of ours about two and a half years ago or so, three years ago, um, has been a huge boost um, to the growth in podcasters and creators on the platform. So over 80% of new podcasters on our platform are using the Anchor platform. And our understanding is that Anchor has about 50% market share across the entire podcast industry in terms of usage. So um, it's been a huge help and a huge driver to the creators and the creator process. Okay, our next question comes from Ben Swinburne on um, advertising. Uh, while the radio advertising TAM is a big opportunity, it would seem the scale and technology uh, that you can bring to advertisers goes beyond traditional broadcast radio. Do you agree, and can you give us a sense of the kind of advertisers and ad budgets you're seeing today spend on Spotify? Um, yeah, I, I absolutely uh, agree, uh, Ben. I think this is very much similar to the trend that um, the print ads we saw in um, the sort of old media world and when they became digital became a lot more effective and that sort of increased the overall ad ecosystem and, and didn't just translate into a one-to-one. -one. I think that's very much going to happen in audio ads too. And maybe just to set the scene for a moment before I get into talking about the specific advertisers and ad budget we're seeing today and Paul can chime in on some of that but um, the, the, the future of computing the way I see that is one where um, what we're really building here is a way to aug augment uh, everyone's experience so uh, you can imagine walking down the street and as you're hearing that um, by knowing and understanding location as an example we should be able to target um, that there is a great offer in close proximity of where you're walking down the door that's obviously going to be a tremendous uh, opportunity and in a vr or ar world uh, in that future as well there's a combination to uh, provide both display and uh, audio in combination to provide an even more immersive ad experience that helps uh, advertisers convey their messages and conveys their brand stories. So I, I think long-term, uh, what we're building here is very complementary to all the other ad platforms that exist. 
out there and really uniquely positioned against all the other ad platforms that are out there. And the TAM should uh, far um, outstretch what the current um, ad ecosystem looks like. How exactly how long that will take and exactly what shape uh, and form that will take, that's obviously more difficult to kind of pad out, but we're building step by step. Uh, and as I spoke about in my opening comments, this is all about sort of rate of improvement um, and focusing on that velocity for us because that is what we know will drive towards that future. Paul, do you want to talk about the um, existing advertisers and ad budgets? Yeah, I mean, um, as we talk about, they can, they can, they continue to rise. We're seeing, um, you know, bigger buys. I think, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to to megaphone um, in general, we're seeing. Um, uh, incremental budgets, incremental asks, and we're actually monetizing at higher rates, and so that's coming in. Uh, and we're seeing big, you know, just bigger overall spend from bigger brands. Um, I can get you more specifics offline, Ben, in terms of actually who those are. Great. Okay, we've got time for two more questions. Um, the next one's going to come from Eric Sheridan, and it's on uh, uh, the ad-supported business. Can you give us more granularity on the dynamics uh, in the ad supported business in the quarter? Uh, how would you characterize the level of ad impression uh, and CPM growth you saw in the third quarter? And then also, how should we think about the sustained long-term dynamics of supply and pricing? And then finally, um, you know, how should we think about the incremental gross margins in the ad business as it scales? Yeah, so in the quarter we mentioned um, the growth was both a combination of impressions, impression growth and CPM growth. Impression growth was the big majority of the uh, growth in incremental driver. Uh, CPMs grew, I would say that probably grew more out of just the, the demand as opposed to anything we were doing to try and move prices, pricing up. Um, but even with the, the CFV impression growth, we had um, real demand growth that, that led to both. Um, it was, um, and again, it was, it was significant, but the impression was the, the bigger part uh, in the quarter. Um, long time, we've talked about this, the demand is there. On, it's on us to continue to find um, new ways to grow supply through um, new content and expanding of our products, as I talked about, you know, moving span more globally um, and growing, all of, growing overall inventory through usage and engagement. Um, and then I think, and then pricing will follow from that. And then on the gross margin side, Again, I think we've talked about this, but you know, right now, despite the significant growth, it is still a, a drag on margins. Um, over time, I think our belief is that if you think about where our gross margins are now, um, that the podcast business should have um, higher gross margins and our consolidated gross margins where they are right now, and should be a driver of incremental growth and margins in the, in the long term. All right, and our last question is going to come from Doug Anmuth on uh, podcasting. Can you provide any updated thoughts on your podcasting strategy, um, including content acquisition, monetization, or distribution? And what are the next steps towards scaling penetration of MAUs? Yeah, um, so um, content acquisition uh, keeps on increasing across the board. I think we had over 100 uh, new originals um, across the world this quarter alone. So we're, we're tracking very nicely on that. Um, and then uh, as I alluded to and talked about in one of my earlier uh, responses, we're also trying to increase the overall number of creators participating on the platform by lowering the friction and enabling them to express themselves in 
more ways. So video was a great example of that. And more like Q&A and polls are other ways that really drive more creators towards the platform. So that's great. Uh, monetization front, it's really all across the board. You see Span with um, Anchor now moving into that. You have our, our uh, paywall product that allows creators to monetize uh, their, their um, relationships in a very different way. I think we're just, just in the early days of allowing new forms of monetization. Even the Shopify uh, forum is, uh, could be very interesting and very material to uh, podcasters as well. And then on the distribution side, I, I, I read that as a sort of platform improvements. The biggest opportunity we still have is about um, enabling more discovery. So um, I've talked about this in prior earnings call, but one of the big things uh, that we're still trying to learn and improve upon is just providing an even better uh, discovery experience on, on podcasting. It's a, it's a different format. Um, uh, consumers are thinking differently about it as they're trying it out. And so for us, this is all about enabling more ways uh, to highlight that. Uh, we did an acquisition, I believe in the prior quarter, that was um, one of those products will help out with that discovery. Um, we're uh, building that out. Uh, lots of things in the pipeline that we're toying around with uh, as it goes to that. But I do believe that we will uh, really, really reimagine that podcast experience around uh, discovery and enabling a lot more consumption that way too, which will of course drive more creators to the platform which will of course drive more MEUs to the platform too so it's really across the three buckets as you said acquiring creators uh, by investing in tools for them uh, building out more monetization tools and building out more platform improvements all right thanks Doug that concludes uh, our Q&A session for today's call I'm going to turn it actually back over to Daniel for some closing remarks all right well thanks Brian um, so I want to close by stating something that I've said to our team uh, recently. Audio is our right to win. And while we've been relentless in our pursuit of being the world's largest audio platform, it is still early days and we're just getting started. The industry is only just starting to grasp the magnitude of this opportunity as we continue to remain focused on unleashing new experiences that demonstrate the future we envision for audio. And each improvement we bring and every innovation we offer to listeners and creators drives this flywheel to move faster with greater impact. And when we see opportunities to do more and go farther and faster, we will continue to invest. And it's really wonderful to see it all coming together for us like it did this quarter. I'll be talking more about the quarter on our podcast uh, for the record, which will go live on our platform tomorrow. You'll also hear more about our ads business from Don Ostroff and Jay Richmond. So I really hope you tune in and thanks again for joining us this morning. A replay of the call will be available on our website and also on the Spotify app under Spotify earnings call replays. Thanks everyone for joining. For more information, check out investors.spotify.com.